Well, good morning, everyone. Yeah, good morning. Welcome to Eagle Ridge Bible Fellowship. My name is Ariel Bowers. I'm the director of worship ministries here. And I see most of you are already here from the foyer, but if there's anyone else still straggling, you are welcome to come and join us. And for those of you who are joining us online, wherever you are, you are very welcome here this morning. Welcome to Joy Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent. Why don't we stand up and start our service together by inviting Jesus to come to us this morning.
Lord, we invite you in this morning, though you are already here, you are already present with us. We are more blessed than those who sang thousands of years ago, come in waiting. You are here and you are with us, and yet you are not fully present in the sense that you have made all things right. You are making things right, and you will make things right. And so this morning we pray, come, come into our hearts, come into our church, and into our worship, come into our world, and fill it with your peace, and your joy, and your hope. Give us ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May turn and say good morning to someone nearby. Well, good morning, church. My name is Yosef. I'm one of the pastors at ERBF. It's beautiful to start our day with uh, this phrase, God is with us. I want to uh, share some announcements. If you consider ERBF your home church, this is just a reminder that there are several ways electronically and in person to support God's work here at ERBF. Also, the deadline to give for the year of 2000, 2023 <laughs> is on Saturday, December 31st, uh, in the morning at the end of the service. I would like to introduce you all to KP. Where is KP? Who will be the new interim administrator while Jess and my wife is on math leave. On December 24th, we will be having two different services. We will celebrate uh, the fourth Sunday of Advent at our usual time of 10.15 a.m. In the evening, we will also have our traditional Christmas um, Eve service. Cubs breath. On Saturday, December 23rd, uh, from 10 to 1, uh, there will be Cubs bread available for pickup. Encourage, uh, encourage your neighbors and friends to come and pick up uh, some fresh bread or pastry for Christmas. And finally, we will be having two family gym nights over the Christmas break. All ages are welcome to come for some fun in the gym on December 27th and or 28th from 7 to 9 p.m. As I mentioned earlier, today is the third Sunday of Advent, where we remember that Jesus came to bring us joy. We are going to hear two promises about Jesus made in Scripture, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. So the Old Testament Scripture is a prophecy made as the Israelites were coming back from exile, restoring the walls of Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. The prophet Zechariah is asked to place a crown of gold and silver on the head of the high priest, Joshua. And Zechariah foretells a day 
when another will come who will be both high priest and king, perfectly balancing both of those roles together. And we know now from our perspective that Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. He is the true king of kings. He is the bringer of righteousness and justice. But he is also our high priest, the one who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and makes us right with God. We can experience joy, true joy, because of both of those roles that Jesus holds. So I'd like to call forward Judith and Abde, um, who will be reading the scriptures. Judith and Abde, if you want to come up now. Thank you. And they are going to read us the scriptures and light the joy candle. And then after, I'd like to invite the choir up to sing. Good morning, everyone. I'll be reading from the book of Zechariah, chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Behold, the man called the branch. He will branch out from where he is and build a temple of the Lord. Yes, he will build a temple of the Lord. Then he will receive royal honor and will rule as king from his throne. He will also serve as priest from his throne and there will be perfect harmony between his two roles. Reading the book of John 13, verse 11. John 15, verse 11, sorry. This thing I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And God bless the reading of his word.
Well, why don't we stand as a congregation and continue in song? You know, you guys are just one big, enormous choir that doesn't come up here, but we, as, um, as a worship team, love to hear you singing back at us as we sing at you. So let us sing Joy to the World. Good to be with you, and I um, wasn't planning on sharing that story of the coffee. I can tell you out the back when you come by and you talk to me, um, but it, it does, it's grown in Myanmar, Burma, and uh, the proceeds of this little Christmas blend, which is partly Guatemalan coffee, ri- ri- um, grown by a bunch of young adults, youth, a youth co-op in Guatemala and Myanmar, Burma. Um, they make some excellent coffee, and we blended it together and roasted it just for you. And proceeds are going to go to church planting in Myanmar um, and in Burma, which is a, another war-torn country that has got to be on our hearts as we pray this, uh, this Christmas season for, for conflict in the world. Um, yeah, it's good, it's good for me to be back. I don't know. If you don't recognize me, that's fine. My hair's a little longer. So... Uh, 
Um, that's totally fine. It's, it's uh, great to be a part of uh, the family of God, to be a part of the denomination of Mennonite Brethren, and, uh, and to serve, um, as Pastor Dave said, as a, as a mobilizer. I have the privilege of serving in BC, our churches as um, coaching local partnerships with churches, so we do that well and do that better. And in Global Mission, we initiate and lead pathways for all kinds of churches and young adults and, and older folks, individuals to, uh, to serve and engage in mission and multiply disciples all over the world. And I just want to say thank you for supporting, um, supporting myself as a local missionary um, as a, and a part of your team. It's, uh, it's a privilege to be able to do this. My wife Heidi is back home in Abbotsford where we live at our church, South Abbotsford Church. I've got two kids. Anna is 21. Zach is 19. They're both in university, and uh, it's fun. It's a fun, I love every stage, and I'm loving this one too. Um, Even though I feel like I got roommates now and not kids, um, which is okay. I'm like, hey, I'm not, this is not a dorm room, guys. Um, But uh, maybe some of you can relate. Um, But it's fun to live together, and we're looking forward to Christmas together as well. Um, So you're going through the names of Jesus, and uh, as you can see up there, it's the great high priest is the name of Jesus on this Advent Sunday, um, which is what you are celebrating. And I want to read, I want to read a passage from Hebrew and then I want, Hebrews, and then talking about this great high priest, and then lead you where my mind went as I thought of how to interact with our great high priest. Um, and I'm calling this praying with the great high priest, and I want us to think about prayer, as we've already done in this service, and as you probably did before you came to church today. You've been praying, you are praying, whether you know it or not, sometimes we cry out to a God to help us. Um, but who are we praying to? And here's, here's some verses about the great high priest. So Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, we ha- but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus among many other things, is our great high priest. Enough said. Let's go home. <laughs> we probably could, right? It's amazing we've got this high priest. But you're sitting there, perhaps some of you going, what is a high priest? Well, a high priest in the Old Testament, their primary purpose was to serve as a representative in between, like a mediator between the people of God and Yahweh. The high priest served all kinds of purposes crucial to Israelite worship. Um, They were a representative for the nation of Israel. And the high priest had tremendous responsibility to direct the hearts of the people toward God and the fulfillment of the covenant. They had lots of responsibilities like the regular, regular handling of sacrifices and offerings, the blessing of people. And then the most maybe famous one is their annual entrance into the Holy of Holies, where no one else could go. Throughout the Old Testament, there's this foreshadowing, kind of like a, we've already heard this this morning, a foreshadowing 
hope of a more perfect priesthood and a more perfect priest to represent Yahweh more effectively and be our sufficient mediator and the people of Israel's mediator. And this cycle, the cyclical pattern of life, which represents, you know, was true for the good priests and the poor ones, kind of makes it clear that no human being can fully, really perform this responsibility. And there's this longing and this hope for one who is coming who would be perfect and would be replacing every one of these imperfect high priests. One just like us in every way, except one big caveat, Jesus was sinless. Imagine that. He's the perfect high priest. No more need for sacrifices because he actually became that sacrifice. No one could really comprehend that, how a high priest would actually become a sacrifice and a kind of annul the need for this ritual sacrifice. But let me reread these verses now that I've explained this from the message, and maybe they'll even enlighten you a little bit more. So same verses, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, now that we know, now that you know what a high priest is, <laughs> and what we have, and who we have, which is Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God. Let's not let this slip through our fingers. We do not have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality, or dare I say your reality. He's been through weakness and testing and experienced it all, the, the great Christmases and the challenging ones. So here's the invitation. Let's walk right up to him. We read before we have access to the full throne room of God and get what he is so ready to give. Take mercy and accept the help. How do we walk up to this great high priest? How do we approach this throne of grace? I was thinking about this and full disclosure, a few weeks ago I preached in my church on the Lord's Prayer. And I can't think of any way other than we pray as an approach to the Lord's Prayer. And I've been on a journey for the past few weeks of praying the Lord's Prayer every day. It's amazing. And I invited my church to do it on that Sunday too. And it was 43 days before Christmas and I said, let's go on a 43-day challenge. I think we've got about eight days left, right? <laughs> Join me every day praying this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And so I just want to encourage us this morning about the joy and the struggle that it is to join this great high priest, this mediator in prayer, because it's a mystery, isn't it, a little bit? There's this kingdom that is around us and everywhere, and it's not yet fully realized and yet fully capable of taking care of us. Um, you know, all religions have this aspect of prayer. Christians, uh, Muslims, Jews, pray. Hindus pray to a multitude of gods. But innate within us is this longing to connect with the one who created us. Is, is that not true? I want to take just a quick high-level look. Not unpack the Lord's Prayer and all its themes, but just actually unpack this thought of prayer and, and the way we access God. Um, the Lord's Prayer is recorded in, in two Gospels, Luke and Matthew, in the longer one is in Matthew, but in Luke, Jesus returns from a time of prayer away. He's, he's gone solo, and he comes back, and his disciples meet him, and they say, Jesus, or Master, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Think about this. Here's Jesus, 
and everything that he represents to the disciples, all they've already seen him do, and they have only one question burning in their hearts on that day, teach us to pray. Because we saw this other rabbi, John, teaching his disciples, and Jesus, we seem to be a little less effective at it than you are. When you connect with the Father, when you perform miracles, it's just like you're, you've got it dialed in, and what's the matter with us? So Jesus responds like any unique teacher, right? Where he, I would say, maybe unlike any other teacher, instead of unpacking, here's how you pray in the five steps, Jesus says this, when you pray, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins or our debts as we forgive those who, as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then the first century churches added a doxology that I used to pray in school before it was banned. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As I've been reciting this prayer every day for the past couple weeks, and now thinking about it in the light of having a high priest, there's this, it's just taking on a wonderful nuance for me. I can be heard. I am heard. I am joined in this prayer by Jesus, who is right there beside the Father. And what's up there in heaven connects with us here on earth. What a wonderful reminder. Sarah Maynard writes a book called The Prayer of All Prayers, Finding Life in Revi and Revival in the Lord's Prayer. I highly, it's a great book, by the way. You should, you should check it out if you're interested. Um, she doesn't say it's the only way to pray the Lord's Prayer, but like kind of an athlete who uses regular routines to practice, if you're stuck... It's a great place to go back to. If you don't know what to pray at Christmas around the tree, this would be a great one to lead your family in. She says, the Lord's Prayer is not an optional approach that works for some. It's how Jesus taught us to pray. You know, as I'm thinking there, often as I'm listening to a sermon, I'm like, what would I like to hear if someone unpacked prayer with me if I was sitting in the pew? And so that's how I thought about this little message today. And I went, you know what? I think it would be great if I unpacked a little bit of the kind of an understanding of the struggle I have with prayer. And maybe you'll relate to it. I've got a struggle and then a response for each one of these points. So here it goes. Understanding our struggle with prayer. Prayer can be difficult sometimes. No amens. <laughs> My first point is, I guess, prayer doesn't really make sense. Why can I say that? Well, if God already knows what I'm thinking, then why bother? Jesus seems to say this, actually, in verse 8. He says, um, your father, I'm going to unpack this in a little bit later, your father already knows what you need before you ask him. So if you have a little kid and you said that to them, they, I'm sure if they're thinking it through, they'd be like, well, then why tell him what's already he knows? It doesn't really make sense, does it? You ever tried to explain to someone who doesn't believe in a higher power how to pray or what prayer is? Think about it. What would you say? It's mysterious a little bit, isn't it? Sometimes the way we talk about prayer, it just makes it come across a little bit weak, like a last-ditch attempt. I mean, John Bon Jovi 
Can I say that here? He actually wrote a song called Living on a Prayer, you know, where he tells the tale of Tommy and Gina, a working-class couple struggling to make ends meet, and they've got to hold on to what they've got. It doesn't make a difference if we... Don't worry, I won't sing it. <laughs> By the way, caveat, this is for free. Don't ever do that one like in a karaoke machine because it's crazy high. I did once. I did not get the high notes. But the song says, whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, we're living on a prayer. Really. Reminds me of another saying that goes on a wing and a prayer. Um, The dictionary says that that saying means with only the slightest chance of success. Hear what I'm saying? Why pray? It's kind of referencing a, a war plane coming in with a damaged wing, coming in on a wing and a prayer. Prayer kind of cheapens in this sense, doesn't it? Maybe makes little sense. I remember a Christian radio talk show host that would bug me at the end of their episode every time when they're going, and remember, I'll be praying for you. And I'm like, really? Me, driving my car. You know Sam? And it just, it, I'm like, is that prayer? Maybe. How do we pray? How do you foster at Eagle Ridge Bible Fellowship a culture? Of prayer. How do you foster it in your family? Does it mean we start and end meetings with prayer? Does it mean we pray before we come to the meeting with things jotted down and share them? Does it mean we stop in the middle of a meeting and pray? Maybe it means all of that. My response to prayer not making sense is this Jesus prayed, the perfect high priest representative on this earth prayed all the time. In Luke 11, he tells a story. He says, imagine what would happen if a friend in the middle of the night had a visitor come over and he ran out of bread for that visitor, so he started running to the neighbors. And he knocks on the door and it's late at night and one neighbor looks out the window and there's neighbor John down there and he's knocking on the door. He's like, what do you want? And he's like, I need some bread. I've got some guests. They came. I don't have bread. No, no, don't. I I can't come give you bread right now. The kids are sleeping. My wife's sleeping. It's quiet. Go away. Go away. And then Jesus says in this little parable, he says, but let me tell you, even if he won't get up, because he's a friend, if you stand your ground and knock and wake up all the neighbors, basically annoy him enough, he'll finally get up and give you that loaf of bread that you need and you'll go feed your, your guests. I like that phrase, because he's a friend. It makes more sense to pray if I know who's in the house. And if Jesus, the high priest, is in the house, keep knocking, friends. Keep knocking. You know, Sarah Maynard says this, the greater the relationship, the more you know you can ask boldly without jeopardizing that relationship. Bold asking is modeled and welcomed because of the depth of relationship with the Father that we have. Keep asking this Christmas for every unanswered prayer that's on your list. So prayer doesn't really make sense, but it kind of does. Prayer doesn't seem to work sometimes. There are many people who have concluded, actually, that prayer does not work. Our thoughts are with you. It used to be our thoughts and prayers, right, are with you. Now it's just our thoughts are with you. You ever heard that? You hear it from the politicians. You know, and, but many of you have experienced this. If I should ask for a show of hands, have you ever prayed for something or that didn't happen. I mean, seriously. Um, my wife had cancer in 2011. 
At the, there, one of our best friends, her best friend, Kristen, would meet her every morning with a Starbucks when my wife's immune system was so compromised by radiation and chemotherapy. She'd give her her favorite Starbucks blend and say, see ya, have a great day, and leave so that she wouldn't even come in, just blessed her. And a few weeks into Heidi's diagnosis, Kristen is diagnosed with cancer as well. And we're praying, and we're praying. And my son was about eight years old in the same class as his friend, who was Kristen's son. You know, it's really hard to go to a funeral when your, your wife is sitting beside you and your son and my daughter and, and Kristen's family lost her a few months later after diagnosis. It took her really quickly. And I wrestled with, how is this fair? And what does this mean, especially my wife, too, to talk about a bit of survivor's guilt when a friend who used to come with Starbucks is no longer with us. H how do you reconcile that? Prayer not fully making sense. Uh, you know, on a little less serious note, um, I remember the prayer of Jabez, this little book, <laughs> breaking through to a blessed life, you know, I, I, I know Jesus affords us lots of blessings. I am super blessed, and it's all because of Jesus. But this book was a little over the top for me. There was a chapter that was called Little Prayer, Giant Prize. Little Prayer, Giant Prize. And, you know, it was based around the prayer of Jabez in First Chronicles, which was, O oh Lord, and bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory. I've prayed that prayer a lot, my friends. And I've got a pretty big territory, but I just want a bigger prize sometimes, a little easier life. Like, I've prayed versions of this prayer hundreds of times. And I'm not dissing the book, but I am saying sometimes our prayers don't seem to work. What's my response? Prayer is not a formula for success or pain-free living. Let me go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 5, 7 says, while he lived on earth anticipating death, imagine that, Jesus cried out in pain and wept in sorrow as he offered up what? Priestly prayers to God. Our high priest wrestling with the journey that the Father has him on to lay down his life. Because he honored God, God answered him. But how was the answer it wasn't exactly what he was asking, perhaps. And though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered, just as we do. Prayer is not a formula for success or a pain-free life, friends. And Jesus modeled that for us. Prayer seems ritualistic. Some of our issues with prayer relate to a lack of clarity, I think, on what we've developed prayer to become or how we use it. Even the Lord's Prayer you know, I remember being quite bored. You, you know, you get to school and you're single Canada, and then you're like, oh, Father, heaven, and you just start yawning, and you just memorized a prayer that the whole class is praying, and you're not paying attention to what you're praying. You recant it monotonously. You know, sometimes people use old, archaic language and can be mocked a little bit, reduced it to old orthodoxy or bad, staid Catholicism, and we call that prayer. It can be reduced to bad art on plates that we hang on the walls. I am not, I, I refrain from putting photos of them up because somebody might have that plate on their wall. 
Prayer can be politically charged, and it's used inappropriately, I think inappropriately, so many times to attract a Christian vote. What's my response to this kind of ritualistic, unhealthy use of prayer? Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8, and when you pray, I don't have these verses up there, don't heap up phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father in heaven knows what you need even before you ask. My response is no empty phrases, folks. You can feel this prayer. You can, you can sense it. You can bring some emotion to it. You know, the Greek word that in, in that verse about empty phrases or, is actually batologeo, to stammer, to babble to utter meaningless sounds, to repeat the same thing over and over again. You know, and I don't think repetition is the problem. It's rather doing it kind of like on autopilot with no heartfelt meaning. I believe we can make even this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, our own. Um, your Father, yes, He knows what you need before you even ask Him, so relax. It's not about getting the prayer right. I love what another quote, I got to quote her one more time. Sarah Maynard says, Trusting our Father not only need, knows our needs before we ask, but knows exactly what I'm trying to express, even if I struggle for words. He knows, he hears, and understands the prayer of tears, the prayer of groans too deep for words. And I'm sure all over our planet, there are families praying wordless groans and sighs in tears for their families to have food today. Like, it's a broken world that we live in. And I'm so thankful we're not addressing a judge in this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We're addressing our Father. Our Father who's welcomed us into his home, seated at us at his table, and we can rest in his love. One more point is I think we're kind of sometimes conflicted about prayer. We feel like we're praying into a vacuum that our God, our Father up in heaven may have better things to do than to listen to us. You know, have you ever had a one-way conversation with someone? One-sided relationships don't really work. And we wrestle with how to hear and interact with God. And my response to this, you know, kind of praying into a vacuum is, is, is just this, apart from the numerous passages of our father interacting with his children, I've been reflecting on the life of a guy named Lauren Cunningham who passed away on October 6th this year. Lauren Cunningham is the founder of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. I think he was about 89 when he passed away with cancer. And um, I've been impacted by him ever since about 2002 when he came to speak on a program that I was running called Trek. And he gave me a little book signed by him. It was called, Is That Really You, God? Some of you might have read it. It's a classic on hearing God. He, he launched Youth with a Mission, wondering all the time this question, is that really you, God? Is that really you? Have you got any little dreams or passions that you think God has given you and you're like, is that really you, God? And you're waiting for some bolt of lightning? Like the, even just the title of that book and that question, is that really you? Like the humanity of it, the humility of it. I think we can follow God in faith when he's given us 
some things to do. Here's a great quote from the book. The Lord will lead us into victory, but success itself is the most dangerous obstacle to properly hearing God's voice. Guidance is first of all, all a relationship with the guide. Put your dreams on the altar. That's how Lauren Cunningham lived his life. And perhaps our conflict with prayer is not so much is that we don't have people who talk really openly about the mystery and the joy that it is to pray to God. And then follow the nudges and see where they take you, even if you don't have the full picture. Let me conclude with a couple comments about the Lord's Prayer. The first thing is I want to say is that the scope of the Lord's Prayer is great. It covers everything. Tertullian, the father of Latin Christianity, called the Lord's Prayer, Bavarium totius evangelii, maybe with a different accent. He meant the essence of the whole gospel. We're physical beings, right? You and I. And so Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Wholeness and health. We're relational beings. So Jesus teaches us to pray to forgive our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. We're spiritual beings. So Jesus teaches us to pray, holy is your name. We can't live without knowing the one who is holy. And, you know, I'm, I love what Paul Workman says about this prayer. It gathers up all of life and all of time. He says our greatest need for the past is forgiveness. Our greatest need for the presence is provision. Give us this day. And our greatest need as we look to the future is for guidance. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us on a better path and rescue us from evil. Every concern and longing we experience is covered by this wonderful prayer of Jesus. Nothing is too big and nothing is too small. Second thing is the flow of this prayer keeps us rightly focused. When you break it down, it's easy to see that the prayer has two halves. First half is your name. Your, it's the pronoun your. Your kingdom, your will. And the second half is give us. It's the pronoun us, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Deliver us. Our agenda gets input in proper perspective with the flow of the prayer. And it doesn't need to feel so burdensome when he's got it in his hands. It's his will, it's his kingdom, it's his glory. And the Lord's Prayer, friends, sets us free from guesswork. In giving us this prayer, Jesus is telling us how to get it right. Pray this way and you'll be okay. It means that Jesus is giving us a model or a pattern. It helps us get into genuine conversation and communion with the Father. And lastly, the heart of this prayer is really this. Would you please bring a little piece of heaven that is up there and all around us right here where we can taste and see and smell? Your name be hallowed on, in, earth, on, in the heavens and on earth. Your kingdom come as it is in heaven, so be it done on earth. And as we pray this way, friends, we get the dignity of partnering with our great high priest and the prayers that he prays. We partner with God in fulfilling the purposes of the world. We're joining God in bringing about his desire for peace and reconciliation. And I'll, I'll end with this story of prayer because it's a beautiful one. I, a, a bunch of years ago, I was, had the privilege of hanging out with the MKC, the Meserete Christos Church in Ethiopia. 
It's the Mennonite church. It's one of the fastest growing churches in the world. And um, we, there's so much I could tell, tell you about why that's happening and how that's happening, which is pretty exciting. But I, my, my story is all about one evening we spent doing two really cool things. One, Ethiopians love their coffee ceremony. I mean, they think they grew the first coffee bean and they're kind of having it out with, you know, Colombia or Guatemala or Brazil who all think the same thing. Um, I don't actually know. I haven't researched where coffee beans come from, but they say it came from Ethiopia. Anyways, they love taking green beans into the kitchen on an open fire and roasting them as we visit. And then the warm beans are put into a grinder and they're ground. And then those grinds are put into a, an urn sort of thing that makes the darkest, I don't know, maybe the prayer meeting was really good because I was so caffeinated. Like, <laughs> it was such good coffee. But as we're sitting around and the coffee comes out, the father, who is one of the leaders of the movement of the Meserete Christos Church, and his two teenage kids and his wife and us three guests, he looks at everybody in the room and with his coffee in hand, he says, let's pray. And you know, what, what would you do? What would you assume would happen? I didn't assume that his wife would get on her knees and turn around and put her face on the couch. I didn't assume that the 19-year-old boy would get behind the couch and lay prostrate. I didn't assume his daughter would just be praying on her knees on the floor. And he himself got on his knees and we're looking at each other going, maybe we should do the same. About an hour and a half later, we got off our knees having cried out to God for each other's burdens, for the globe's burdens, for Ethiopia's, you know, prosperity and longevity, for the kingdom to come in that country. Nobody left, nobody made a list, but the list was covered, friends. It became an interaction sometimes as we talked to each other, what should we pray about next? And prayer was like breathing to them. It was so natural. And I think I was just really inspired by that. It's not like that in my family. That's why I have those four points on why we wrestle with prayer. But I want to encourage us, friends, that our high priest left us a model to pray. And it's a beautiful model. It's not in the random order. The flow matters. And the more we pray it, the easier it's going to become. And I want to encourage us for the next eight days, if you think of it, Start your day or drive to work or open a meal with this pray and prayer. And I want you to join me, and we're going to end this service praying it, or end this sermon by praying the prayer together. Can we stand up and do that even right now? As you pray, let's just trust the high priest to bring a little bit more of heaven on earth. Let's pray together. It's on the, on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.